Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 247 with our review of Elysium. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue with the latest film releases hitting a theater near you. Um, this week, we have this review of Elysium. So, uh, yeah, how are you doing today, Carson? Good. How are you? Like, We finally are here talking about this movie. We are. I mean, this is a long time that we've been waiting. Basically, from the moment that they announced that Neil Blomkamp was making another film, uh, <laughs> it's been all we could talk about. It's like it's like hearing that Nolan's making another film. It's just like, oh, th- this is this has got to happen. It's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, exciting all the way around. Oh yeah, of course. I will say, I was I was getting very frustrated as you know, because I went to a Thursday night screening, um, as as did you, as we are recording this on a Friday, which we don't usually do. Um, but you know the. Usually the Thursdays are really calm. Not a lot of people go to the theater, at least not, I'm used to seeing the earlier showings. This was a 10-10 showing. But, uh, you know, I, I walk into the theater, I sit down, and immediately a pack of, like, 12, like, drunk dudes comes in. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, woo, yeah. And they're, like, yelling at each other. and like, <laughs> Matt Damon. No, it's bad. They, like, recognize another guy in the theater. I'm like, oh, dear God. If these guys freaking talk during this movie, <laughs> I'm going to lose it. Then, like, right after that, like, three or no sorry it started off as two more guys come in i guess so they so they sit down and they're 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 sitting down for about 30 seconds before they look around and go no and they move to the row back one then they move right in front of me like so they oh, sat no. they sat twice before sitting right in front of me and they're like counting chairs like uh, well who's gonna is is, is is joe gonna come okay cool so i'm like okay whatever <laughs> then like they come and for whatever reason one of their party doesn't want to sit with them so he sits behind me and over a few seats so <laughs> gee now, i wonder why <laughs> so now you have four guys sitting in front of me who are already annoying me looking back and talking over my head towards the guy who sat behind like dude come down here you gonna come down here bro do you want to sit dude, here because kyle's coming and if kyle's gonna sit down i need to know like if you're gonna be here because there's only one seat left man and like i'm like oh, dude, i need someone to hold my hand when it's scary what i, I was like i was like this is you, don't ruin this movie for me i'm gonna be very pissed if you <laughs> oh, ruin God. this movie for me and luckily um they showed the trailer for something and it sobered everybody up uh, I forget. I forget what they played, but basically, what, like bad grandpa or something. Uh, I don't know, bad grandpa. Is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so not that trailer, but uh, essentially that they started playing uh, trailers for a bunch of stuff that was actually interesting and people might want to see. Um, and oh, everybody okay. calmed down, and then everybody watched the film in peace. And I was well, put good. at ease. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't have it as worse. I didn't have the same similar experience, but. Uh... Uh, yeah, mine pales in comparison, but I had like a a similar reaction when I showed up because I, I I go I go I went to this theater that's not very crowded, like hardly at all. Like yeah. I saw I saw Were the Millers on like the eight o'clock show the night before, and there were two other people in the theater. Nice. So I, I was expecting maybe like a couple more, but I wasn't expecting like any huge crowds. So I show up, and of course, like there's a bunch of rowdy teenagers all standing in front of the box office unsure of what to see yeah and apparently i guess they wanted to see despicable me too like overhearing their uh their arguments but the guy kept telling him like no like that movie ended or that movie started at uh nine o'clock like it's you know you can't go see that blah blah blah. he's like it's playing at the theater across the street which is like a nicer theater yeah and uh uh they're like oh and so i was like oh so I like go in front of them because at least they were like, oh, hey, let this guy go. So I was like, all right. And I got my ticket. And then 
I was just like, man, I hope they will go see Elysium. And sure enough, they did. <laughs> um, but yeah, luckily they just, they sat at the very top and like if they were talking, I couldn't hear them because yeah, I was yeah. toward the bottom and the movie was loud. So I was like, whatever, things could be a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it was funny because that happened. I was just like, all right, well, whatever. They're at the top of the theater, fine. So the movie starts, right? And... <laughs> They did that thing where the projectionist didn't like uh, push down the screen because it's like a it's a movie in scope, so yeah. the screen was like in a flat or you know like how it's horizontally. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was projected fine, but like the top wasn't where at the top of the of the movie. So it was like I was like, oh man, really? And then I was like, I'm not gonna go out and say anything because I don't want this guy to like go and screw it up even more. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh man, one thing after the other. But then again, I was just like, whatever, I'm not going to let it, not going to let it phase me. Yeah. Luck- luckily, we're able to overcome the struggles of trying to see this movie. I'm, and... I'm going to put on my exosuit. I'm going to overcome this radiation. Yeah. I, 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 I hopped in my frustration bay that uh, removes all traces of frustration in your body and exactly. watched the movie with a clear mind. Uh, so, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, Carson. What do you say? We not keep people waiting anymore. Let's go ahead and take out the trailer or check out the trailer for Elysium and then let everybody know what we thought of this film. Max Nicostra, 36 years old. Violation today at bus stop 34B. What's in the bag? Hair products, mostly. I'm just hey, 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 hey. just going to work. Thank you, citizen. No, thank you. Immediate extension of parole duration by a further... Wait, what? No, 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 no. Elevation and heart rate detected. Wouldn't you like a pill? No, I am okay. Thank you. Are you being sarcastic and or abusive? Negative. This wasn't even my fault. You're still stealing cars? No. Since I got out, I've been trying to live a normal life. You used to be a legend, and now what? Rose the 34! No, no, no! No, no, no! In five days' time, you will die. Thank you for your service. They can fix it on Elysium, man. Max! I think I can help get you up there. Hey, bring down the bone saw! This ain't gonna kill me. What did you do to me? Gave you a way out. Whoever has this has the power to override their whole system. She's very sick, Max. I need to get her up there. You can save everyone. When can I go? Activate Kruger. Ah! 
All right, so welcome to Elysium. The year is 2154. Uh, we have constructed in space, floating around Earth, this space station called Elysium, which is basically this awesome, sweet zone where all the rich get to live disease-free in this perfect life with all their richness. And the rest of us are stuck down on the planet, you know, in poverty and in this, like, gnarly world where we just kind of work to build stuff to feed the rich people. And, uh... Our, our person, our hero, uh, Matt Damon, is just a uh, uh, you know, recovering criminal who's just working the line, just trying to make some robots for the, uh, you know, the 1%. And, uh, you know, some bad stuff happens. And he has to decide, you know, if I can just make it to Elysium, my problems can be fixed. And he teams up with a bunch of sort of like activist type people who are kind of working to, you know, mess around and try to get people off of Earth and onto Elysium. And uh, a lot of crazy sci-fi stuff happens. So, Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh, no joke. I actually had uh, a full, full-blown nightmare about the recording of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, this is before I even saw the movie, too. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, so I, I, you know... But you know what they say, Chris, uh, never go into a movie with high expectations that's playing across the street from the diner who serves the best donuts uh, in the next three counties. So, uh, I, you know, I tried to go in this movie uh, with not as high as expectations because, you know, I've, I've been burned a lot. So uh, I don't want to go in thinking it's going to be uh, a new classic or anything. So what, what, the- what you're saying is this year of movies has given you a full dose of radiation. Uh, not not so much, not as much as as say last summer, but uh, okay. d- there's definitely been some movies this summer where you know went in thinking, how can this not be awesome? And it wasn't as awesome as I hoped it would be. Yeah. Uh, so and of course I like it, anytime you see a movie you're excited for, like I'm trying to you know limit my expectations as much as possible. Um, so with that being said, obviously uh, I know I've said it before. I, I mean. I love the shit out of District 9. I remember I saw that at, a, at, at the Midnight Show when that came out. Yeah. And I was just like, holy shit, like, this movie is awesome. Um, you know, in, in, in uh, non-layman terms, I mean, I, I thought it was, I, I still think it's one of the best sci-fi movies that come out in the past decade. Um, yeah. And I, I think a lot of other people will agree. And, and it got uh, showered with much acclaim and it got nominated for Best Picture, like, you know, a bunch of stuff that you don't normally expect from a a sci-fi movie of that nature. Yeah. Um, Elysium uh, is not going to be up for any awards uh, (laughs) other than like the technical awards, I think. But... uh, Oh, it's very deserved of some technical technical awards. Oh, of course. We will get into that. But uh, I I will say, first and foremost, this is not a bad movie at all. It's an extremely watchable movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's very disappointing, though, in the sense that uh, it is not on the same level of awesome as District 9. I think that it is uh, somewhat shockingly conventional uh, for for a movie that was touted sort of as, you know, this is going to be how, you know, Similar to how District 9 was, where, you know, it was an allegory for segregation, you know, on top of being uh, a sci-fi action movie. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, was kind of 
uh, Neil Blomkamp stated early on that like he wanted to make another sci-fi movie uh, of the same nature, you know, that was also, you know, it was a big action movie. that was also an allegory for, for something uh, topical. And obviously that is uh, certainly the case here because we've got, you know, the 99% and the 1% going on here. There's obviously a lot of uh, political, uh, you know, parallels in this film. And uh, I think the initial concept of Elysium is great. Like I think having that be your allegory for, you know, your big sci-fi movie is great. Like I think that is a good starting point. I don't think the movie really goes any deeper than that. Then, you know, the rich live up in this giant awesome space station and the poor people, you know, everyone else is down on earth and it's uh, a giant slum. Yeah, like well, I, let, let me let me I mean, I I am completely backing you on this. Um Elysium is a film that like I, I walked out going like this film was awesome yet was yeah in a way it was kind of disappointing and 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 I, I I nailed down when when like I've been chewing over this literally since I saw it and I nailed down exactly what you're talking about the problem is that the themes of Elysium are disassociated with the character our main character of Elysium if, yeah. if you if, if you really look at what the story of this film is it's guy is sick guy wants to be not sick end of story like that is literally <laughs> yeah it. pretty much it's, it's matt damon has been something has happened that is sh- shortening his lifespan and he knows that if he can get to elysium then he has the ability to cure this ailment that he has um so he is put in a situation where he has to go to other people who have these political agendas and these other uh, anti-establishment like tendencies and he is requesting their help and he's doing like a I'll scratch your back you scratch mine to right, try yeah. to make his way to Elysium but Making he, deals. he is completely uh, I don't know not concerned at all with the overlying themes of this film and because of that it's because there's such a, a disconnect between the the theme of the universe of Elysium and where our character is and what he's doing it I don't know. It, it it does something to separate that. It, it 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 almost makes that ideal the. It almost makes the themes feel tacked on because it's such a small. It's it's such a small world story. Yet yeah. the ramifications and the consequences of the actions of the characters have this like super grand like a uh, uh, effect on the world as a whole. And it's like, what is happening? What Matt Damon is or isn't achieving. He has no clue, like the real, really, what it comes down to of uh, of what is at stake in this adventure. He just doesn't want to die. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's like, crazy. Like any other person. I mean, they throw on a little cheesy bit in the beginning where it shows Matt Damon's character as a child, and he promises his lady friend that, oh, I'll take you to Elysium one day. Yeah. But that, that's like the only, you know, real th- thing that he says about Elysium. Like that, and it's not even like. You know, it's not even a thing. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm saying it because you know, I'm a dreamer or whatever. What's the thing I've, is his desire from a childhood place to to one day be on Elysium isn't it isn't rooted in the because I want it's more like I want to be president someday. Or yeah, it's like, like it's I want just to be a movie a, star. It's a fantasy. Yeah, and it has, has nothing to do with improving his life because at that point he doesn't understand the universe enough to know that he has a shitty life. Like he, yeah. he is just he doesn't know he's going to grow up a criminal. He just like oh, one day I want I want. It's basically like Elysium is is Beverly Hills, and he's like I really want to live in Beverly Hills when I'm older. Right. Like, I don't want to live in East LA. Yeah. 
but that that's that is the biggest fault of this film. And the other huge fault is that kind of going in the same line, but uh, you know, he's only made two films, but he Blomkamp has such a great knack for creating worlds and there is a really awesome world created here yeah um that's not explored at all like in my opinion like i would have loved to have seen what the hell was going on in uh you know the the nice sanitized world of elysium other than you know we get a couple shots of you know the where they where they live and some of the people there I mean, I would have just, I would have loved to have seen a whole movie just based on the stuff going on there. Same thing goes with, I mean, not as much as Down on Earth, but uh, the only scenes on Earth take place in futuristic LA. Like, they don't show, (laughs) they don't show any other places in the world. Like, it would be kind of interesting to see, like, how obviously it's the whole planet is become, you know, uh, just diseased and everything but it would have been uh, i don't know i think you know how in district nine we got a sense of like it, it was a small sales story and i think it worked well for that story and in elysium i feel like it's a lot bigger and but it's really you know it doesn't feel that big yeah and but, but like also like in, in district nine you have yes we have the whole world However, this alien ship landed, or not landed, but decided to park itself right above Johannesburg. So it's like the, yeah. the reason why that film is self-contained to one location is because the ship, which has introduced the entire alien race of, of visitors, like is, is there. So we are isolated to where that ship is because it, it's already about like crowding all these aliens into little districts, you know, District 9. Um, so you it, it, it makes sense why we're not showing random other spots of the world because, oh, yeah, that's right. They're living here, and it's sort of common to have them here now. And there is the United Military, whatever the hell that organization, the UMNN, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, um, U- UMNN, yeah. Yeah, like, so so those guys are around. So obviously there is a, a, a United Federation of Soldiers who are – so you know that the, the rest of the world is aware of their presence and is actively working to – um, or at least parts of the rest of the world are, are are working to help you know deal with this thing, but there's no reason to go outside of Johannesburg to to cover this story. Here though, yeah, you're right. Like Elysium, it makes sense why you're not going outside of Elysium in space. But on Earth, it's like everyone on the planet is in that same state of like we need to get to Elysium. Like there there are yeah. Like I'm sure there's other organizations like the one that we meet. Uh, Max is that the guy's uh, Max? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Damon's character, yeah. Yeah, what's what's his other organizations run by uh, Mr. William Fitchner? Yeah, or people like him. I also think they they didn't utilize him to uh, <laughs> my liking. Like this is his least. Uh, this he, is like the... Whenever he was on screen, though, I I had a big smile on my face. I, I I will say something about this movie. I don't know if you'll agree though. I I laughed so hard during this movie, and I don't know if I was supposed to, if it was intentional or not. But Jodie Foster is comedy gold in this film, and I, and a lot of the supporting characters are just so fun to watch uh, that it really made up for the fact that the story of this movie was not good at all. Uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know if you had the same I, I feeling. Did not, but Jodie Foster, I don't know what she was. Was she auditioning for After Earth? I don't know. She is. She is not supposed to be common, uh, comical. And and I don't know. I, I actually thought she was fine in that role because she really like I, I thought she successfully pulled off this power hungry. Um, like she has given her, she has put herself in a position to enjoy this, this, this wealth, and she will protect that with with every ounce of everything that she can. And she, you know, her her nefarious acts that she is participating in are are like I believed it from the context of this vision of this future. And um, even though I thought like, okay, so I mean, just to 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 you know divert back and to cover something on the basis real fast, I think the the themes of the film. And the way our hero's story interact with the story of the people who are dealing with the themes of the universe, I actually think are fine on their own. It's the the way this film connects them that I think it fails, not not necessarily having those themes. Things like the fact that like, so I, I was trying to explain semi-ambiguously to somebody at work today um, when they were asking me what I thought of the film. Um, and if you look at... Uh, you know, Matt Damon has to team up with a group of people to actually start his plan to try to make it to Elysium. And the way, you know, they, basically they're like, okay, well, if you help me with this job that I'm trying to do, I'll I'll help you get up there. You know, it's the common kind of like, you know, like right. help me pull this, I'll I'll help you get to this thing. And they their big plan is, well, we'll target anybody. And Matt Damon's like, no, it has to be this person. And that person he picks happens to be somebody important and that could overlap story-wise that is comp- the the accounts of how that plays out completely irrelevant to the story as soon as they were like no it has to be this guy i'm like well why wouldn't it their plan already seems to need that guy yeah. why why does it become this coincidental thing that this guy is so important and like, plus he's like the only dude in the area who has access to all this elysium stuff no exactly so it's like t- to me you have the only figure that is allowed to travel back and forth between Elysium and Earth who is the only person you would target for this job anyway. So the fact that they say, we need to find somebody to target, and Matt Damon has to have a personal vendetta against a character he hasn't interacted with at all in this right. film. It, it just, like, things like that I mean, that he felt... just feels burned, no pun intended. He yeah, feels like... burned because of what happened on the job. Yeah, but but it wasn't even his boss. It was the owner of the company. So it's like he... Yeah. The, the only the only reason he even knows that guy exists is because the guy looks through him in an observation room and says some line <laughs> that Matt Damon can't even hear. Like there, yeah, yeah. there's to me like the fact that they even pulled that where it's like, well, Matt Damon has a personal vendetta, so I'll help you with your job, but it has to be this guy. And then this guy turns out to be somebody who has this thing that that organization might want to actually access. It, it That felt really hokey and kind of cheesy and it made it. It like, felt very convenient. No, it totally felt convenient. But the, the stupid part is, is you remove that feeling of convenience by simply saying, this is the plan. This head of this company keeps traveling back and forth between Elysium and Earth. We're going to capture that guy. That's all you have to do. And then yeah. I don't think, oh, that's convenient because it makes sense in the first place by separating those out and like adding that influence and like, well, this like clearly this guy's bad because our hero Matt Damon thinks he's bad. So let's pick the bad guy to be bad again. Like it just that like i would have never thought that feels convenient if they wouldn't have separated those elements out and i don't know why they did that because things like that in this film feel kind of hokey um and i, I don't know it just that, that there, sort of there thing are a lot me. of moments like that in this movie that i felt where i was just like why are we getting this when we already know 
what's gonna or you know what's going on like a lot of stuff involving uh the uh the female uh sort of token love interest in the movie yeah who uh, again was like apollo Patton and two guns completely irrelevant in my in my opinion wait that wasn't uh, her just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i felt like she could have been you know exercised out of this movie completely here's the one thing to to the film's credit they inserted a backstory between those two characters, so it wasn't yeah. like he just goes to the hospital and he's like, "I'm magically in love with my nurse." Like there, there was at least some sort of pre-setup, um, yeah, connection very between paper the thin backstory. But but that's still better than just like, "Oh, yeah. I met female, must be in love now." Like, but that. there's a certain point in the film where I thought it was gonna go one way, and it it did it, and I was like, "Oh, that's actually pretty cool." But then it ended up still going the same way, and I was just like. Well, why, like, obviously I can't say what it is, but I just was like, why would, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I mean, there's just like, but there's a whole cliche with her that, you know, oh, she just happens to have a young daughter who's dying of leukemia and she wants, you know, for Matt Damon to take her up to Elysium to cure her. It's yeah. like, of course she does. Like, I mean, why, I felt like that was kind of detracting from, what Matt Damon's journey was. Well, I mean, story-wise, and I don't want to get into spoilers for this, but um, it technically doesn't detract from it. <laughs> That's all I'll say. And I, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I, I felt like there was a way that they could have gotten around it. Like, I, I mean, in terms of a movie like District 9, where it uh, – I mean, the the comparison between the, the, the two leads – is I mean, this is night and day, really, because the the refreshing thing about District Nine is that they, you know, Charlton Copley is playing a guy who is not an action hero. Like he's not a hero. He's this like kind of a jerk, and he's like a bumbling idiot, really. And he becomes, you know, a different person throughout the course of the film. And his arc, I think, is much more substantial and a lot more interesting than the journey that Matt Damon's character takes in this film. Wait, you think that Charlotte Copley has an arc? I feel like his journey in District 9 uh, and what happens to his character is a lot more substantial and interesting uh, than the typical, you know, Matt Damon is the hero and he needs to save the day kind of thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Charlotte Copley in this in this role, um, and I love the character of Kruger, but I don't think he is. No, really... no, I'm talking about in District Nine. Oh, sorry. I'm, so, I'm okay, comparing. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I'm no, comparing <laughs> the, the two leads. The okay. two, the, you know, Charlotte in District Nine as the lead, and Matt Damon in this film. Okay, we are now on the same page. I was okay, I was confused yeah. at what you were. Okay. Weird. No, I'm saying that his journey in District 9... Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. Take yeah. back my confusion. I 100% okay. agree with you. Um, but Charlton Copley in this movie is a total boss. Like, I would watch oh, yeah, a whole he's, movie he's just, awesome. just um, about him. Like, that... He is a much more uh, intimidating presence than Jodie Foster is, in my opinion, well, character-wise. I think also that, like, when you look at District 9, you have a character who literally has to undergo a transformation in order to have this paradigm shifting destruction of everything he sees and believes about the world that he's in um the the his arc literally takes him from one place to to another place um where he can't even view the events of the film with the same mindset as he could at the beginning of the film in this it uh matt damon is very very one note he is i don't want to be a criminal anymore well i'm dying 
let's be a criminal <laughs> and try to figure out like he even when he finds out what could happen as a positive consequence of his actions he's still not concerned with that his only concern is i don't want to die which is really strange when like the the big climactic action scenes of the like if i was matt damon and we're getting towards the climax of the film and i'm like i gotta go fight some fools the first thing i do is i'm gonna walk to a med bay fix myself and then go fight the bad guy <laughs> instead of like i'm gonna fight the bad guy you would think so I mean, that's just me. I'm hold just, on, hold I'm just the saying, phone. Let me get in one yeah. of these damn things so I can fight you properly. Yeah, it just, it, it. I mean, just I that that's me. Maybe I'm not as badass as Matt Damon is, but I I would assume that like you know I've already swallowed the last six of my anti radiation meds. Um, Dude, I I I would have ran into the first stupid mansion that I saw and jumped in that thing. And they even they had one down there. He didn't even. Yeah, have to yeah, run. and there's a good like, and he doesn't have an excuse for not doing it because uh, the the girl tries to do it on her daughter and there's a reason why she can't do it. Yeah. Um, but Matt Damon has no, has no excuse. He has a full-on reason that he could totally go in there and be like, all right, I'm cured. I can, you know, be a badass. I'm even more stronger now because I'm healthy and I got this exo suit on. Yeah. You know, bitches. Uh, I can... I don't know, dude. It's... Uh, that... that the third act of this movie gets so incoherent and mindless that I, I was just like, I, I don't know what's happening. Like, oh, dude, I, it was I, so, I was totally on board with it just because it's like when it's, he, it's when he picks ridiculous. up when he picks up that gun, the, the, the again the best part is he's not trying to be badass. He just picks up a gun off the wall and starts firing it, and it is the most badass gun I've ever oh, seen in dude, my entire okay, life. Okay, I will say. Th- that's another thing. Obviously, this attributes to world building, but uh, the weapons and like the the tech that they have in this movie, it's definitely something where you're just like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, even if this was like the dumbest movie ever, um, and you're just like, this is the worst movie of all time, you would still just be so entertained by the fact that like, man, those are some like just really awesome ideas for weapons and stuff yeah. like the, the fact that they have to at one point in the movie uh do a transfer of information kind of like you would uh, like a flash drive or whatever from a guy's brain yeah it's pretty awesome like it's just the idea of that is is really clever and uh is and awesome but again it, it's something where it's sort of just pained me that <laughs> I wish the movie itself had been up to the same level. Yeah. Because, um, like, there's so many, like, cool little moments. Like, Charlotte has, like, his, like, portable force field that he, you know, brings around with him. And the, yeah, the it's little, badass. Yeah, the little, like, um, I don't know what those were. The, the, like, little drone things and then the little... Uh, Hover explosives and, like, all the weird cool the stuff. The little explosives that he throws out and they, you know, latch onto people. And, and he has a freaking samurai sword just for no reason. Oh, yeah. Like, it's awesome. a, for, yeah, dude, and... I will say, like, any time that he's on screen, I was very much like the movie is, you know, is re-energized. I mean, not the fact that the movie had no energy. Like, this movie is, it moves fast. And I think that's also a detriment because story-wise, we don't really get, you know, like we've said, we don't really get any deeper than what's laid out in the very beginning. And, uh, but it does move fast and it does... uh, 
have an energy to it that, like I said, because it's watchable, like I said, it's very watchable. But uh, well, well, it's interesting, too, because like uh, District 9 was a short film which set up the 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 theme of the world, which was extrapolated into a full length movie. Um, and because the theme was the most important thing, the events just fell into place to fix it later on. At least it feels like it could have also been constructed as a short film, like Guy is trying to get to the station and yeah. heal himself. And then the rest of the world was put in after the fact. But because of, of, of the nature of the content, it worked better for District 9 than it did for Elysium. Because Elysium is, for the most part, it, I mean, it, it's like an, it's an hour and a half, right? Hour and 40 minutes? What, what's the t- running time? I think it was like an hour 50. All right. Well, it's an hour and 50 minutes. And about an hour and 45 minutes of that is an action sequence. Like, the, like from the beginning of the film, like it, it, it starts with like, you know, flashback. Uh, a bunch of little things set up the scenario and once he puts on the suit from then on it's essentially an action scene yeah it's pretty much non-stop like he's punching somebody or running around and, and, doing something and the action is awesome and like one thing that's 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 i mean I, i'm sure i'm sure you will will back me up in here but like neil blomkamp is like the only person making films right now who almost has a a violence fetish as strong as Nicholas winning Refn, except for the, the the difference is that Refn tries to like completely fetishize it and make it beautiful and violent and like obsess about how crazy it is. Neil Blomkamp makes the most violent crap you've ever seen and acts like he didn't even recognize that it just happened. Like it's sort of like on the side and you don't really like you're like, holy shit, that just happened. But then it goes on without actually dwelling in it. Um, but it, it's still as visceral as some of those things that that Nicholas Winning Refn covers. But it's like it's crazy. Just that one shot when he first files, fire, uh, fires that rifle, and the guy's running down the hallway, and it's like if you're not paying attention, you don't notice it. But that guy gets eviscerated to hell by the yeah. shots from that that rifle, and it's crazy. I mean, I will agree about uh, his penchant for violence because I think he even said in an interview that. He uh, was working with the special effects guys, and he he made them change like a scene because it wasn't concussive enough. <laughs> nice. um, but to me, honestly, I didn't think Elysium was as violent as District Nine. Like there are violent moments in the film for sure, but I was honestly expecting it to be more violent. Like I, well, I well, part, uh, part, there... part of the problem or the part of the reason it's not as violent is because you have a lot of these droids, these these machines that are non-human. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I just was expecting a lot more uh, people blowing up because there's a lot of that in District 9 and, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I like, you know, the fact that he's like, yeah, I don't want to do a studio movie because they're going to make me not make it rated R. And I think that, you know, movies like this uh, uh, were movies that, you know, like Paul Verhoeven would have had a field day with this movie back in like 1990. Like, I, I think that, and he's the kind of guy that just was all about that. Like uh, movies that had, you know, a sort of satirical streak and, and were just like very, very like violent, almost to a, a casual degree. And I feel like there are elements of that in this film. And, I, and that's why I feel like some of the comedy from it to me didn't feel unintentional because I, I don't know, like I, I almost got that sort of vibe from it that it was like, maybe there is supposed to be a sort of, uh, you know, underlying satirical nature to it. 
Although, I mean, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I appreciate the fact that he likes to make his movies this way, even though I thought that at least, like, I was expecting this movie to just be, like, ridiculously violent. Like, because it, I don't know, I didn't think it was, but as much as uh, District 9, but yeah. that was my point. But, well, yes. The violence is less in your face, but you still have, like, just things There, there that... are still some things happening. I, I love the, the scene... Uh, I won't say, but someone gets put in the machine to regraft an injury. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Like uh, I was just like, yeah, I'm all for that kind of stuff. And I know that you're gonna probably not agree, but uh, the the shaky cam in this movie is a problem. No, <laughs> like, I, I, I. I the... I can't watch movies like this anymore without thinking Carson's going to hate this. Carson's going to hate this. Carson's going to hate I, this. I, dude, I totally am on board with the, with the, the aesthetic in district nine. Like I think that, you know, the movie starts off with this kind of documentary, uh, angle. So it completely works. And I mean, I could be wrong. I might not be remembering correctly, but I felt like district nine there was some restraint to it. I mean, it felt natural to the film. It felt uh, just natural in general. It didn't feel like it was distracting or distracting from the action that was going on. In the third act of this movie, oh man, like I guess there's no steady cams in space or any kind of control, but there's a lot of just incoherentness going on or, or just moments where I was just like, I wish they had let it play a little more so I could, you know, kind of see what's happening, but well, there's uh, a, there's also a thing that he does that I that I don't think is as successful as he may have thought in his head. He he does some extra shakiness to uh, kind of it feels like he's trying to show off the much like the way I mean he didn't execute it the same way, but a similar thing to what uh, Zack Snyder was doing in Man of Steel when like somebody yeah. get punched and it would almost move the camera with the impact. It felt yeah. like he was trying to do that a little bit, but I don't think it worked completely. It was kind of just over the top. Like I, I have a pretty high tolerance for shakiness. Um, uh, so it didn't really bother me, but it, it did feel excessive, especially there's a scene where, you know, I, I guess, you know, Neil Blomkamp was, was a big fan of doing the whole camera attached to your gun move that everybody's been oh, rip, yeah. ripping off for the last several years. Yeah. And I think he was like, well, I don't want to do that again. So we tried to do the, there's a scene where Matt Damon finishes reloading a gun and then like runs from behind a car. Um, and it does this weird shaky speed ramped over the shoulder third person video game. Yeah. Shot. I was and like, well, this is weird. I, I didn't know. Like, as the shot started, it felt like maybe that was Matt Damon's perspective and the suit was making him extra fast. Um, <laughs> but it, it just felt like I'm doing this because it's slick and it wasn't that slick. And I kind of yeah. was I didn't I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that shot was supposed to be conveying. And it wasn't cool enough because of how like hyper real it was because it almost it goes it goes into the visual quality of a distorted slow mo while maintaining almost a faster speed it was almost like the effect used in uh uh prince of persia the sands of time when time was re <laughs> rewinding it was yeah. that fast forwarding and i didn't i don't know what the point of it was well there was a lot of shots like this in the movie that felt just like i'm doing this because it looks badass i mean there's the there's the stereotypical guy shooting his gun in slow motion while we see you know the bullet shells 
hitting the ground in slow motion. But that was badass. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's like those things. Like, uh, part of me feels like I don't know if you would agree, but uh, I, I feel like this movie had like a Desperado or a an Evil Dead Two feel, where it kind of feels like this was like a half remake, half sequel to District Nine, except dumber. Like it didn't. It was more like, oh well, we got it. District Nine was so good and so fresh but we want to do it again bigger and better and like with more you know hands in the pie even though he had control over it it felt that way it kind of felt that way you know where it was just like we got like the the slums of la which are very reminiscent of the slums of district nine and uh it kind of felt that way where it was like it was almost like this half remake half sequel deal but not as uh, fresh as, as District 9 was. Yeah, well, like, personally, I think that... I think Matt Damon's character should have been a little more in on the story that relates to the themes and a little less in on... Like, basically, the the thing... Okay, so, without being too spoilery, I mean, it's it's in one of the trailers, uh, but, you know, Matt Damon is, is exposed to something that is shortening his lifespan, and it's his... Uh, closeness to death that makes him the prime candidate to use this exosuit that this one um, guy who's part of this militant group um, or this activist group or whatever. Uh, so it's basically that guy needs somebody um, to accomplish a goal for him. Most people can ac- accomplish that goal because it's too dangerous. But if somebody wore this exosuit, maybe they could accomplish the goal. Matt Damon wants to someday make enough money to be able to go to Elysium. It'll never happen for him. But now he's dying. So he goes to the guy, says, hey, I need to help. He's like, oh, cool. I have this exosuit that can help you. So like it's t- to me, it feels like if they just, you know, put this this film on this in the stove and just boiled away all the excess crap. Um, that, that I think if you reduce this, this film down to its core components or you just make Matt Damon a part of the plan from the beginning, then, yeah. then I think it, it works better on the whole. I mean, the universe is perfect, I think, in this film. Like, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's ripe for great things. Like, I, I think this would have been more successful as, like, a six-episode BBC series. Um, yeah. Like, it, just because there's a lot to explore here. Yeah, um, and, and, I, and I think that if the, if the end result of this film was from the beginning the goal of the characters and they were or weren't accomplishing that over a six episode arc of you know commercialist at least hour maybe hour and 20 minute episodes um th- th- it would work perfectly because this film would exist as possibly the climax of the film um you know with like all all the combat and all the craziness but it's it's it would be the story that's slowly ramping up towards these events and maybe you can see a couple of introductory missions of little low level stuff they have to try to pull before you know like like a bbc series would spend the first episode establishing the relationship between um max and his his employers and all that situation and what his backstory is so you'd have nothing about this like future thing it would just be setting up the universe and whatever and then you know the middle uh four episodes would be all about prepping and joining these forces and like the introduction of Kruger and dealing with him. And then eventually the final one would be them either accomplishing or not accomplishing their goal. And it would be left in a state of like, Oh, this is the universe from now on. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I just think it, it, it probably would have been a little bit more successful in that format if they kept the budget that this film had. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know. I just, I just, I love what this film put on screen. What it put on paper 
has some weaknesses uh, that that kind of detract. Like like I said earlier, just a little bit. I was talking with somebody at work, like I said earlier, and it's just like he he was like, "Oh, uh, how was Elysium?" And I was like, "Well." And he was like, oh, I guess it's not good. I'm like, no, but it's not not good. It's just not good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's yeah, it's not it's not a bad movie. It's not a very good movie, though. It's like it's a hot mess, really. I mean, I I enjoyed most of it, I think, in a different fashion than I think uh, uh, most people would enjoy this movie. Because, uh, like I said, I found like Jodie Foster's stuff completely hilarious, and I just want to right now profess my love to the character of Spider because he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like I, every time that guy came on screen too, I was like, "This is, this is the kind of stuff." Like and again, I wish like that the movie had been just as strong because like this is the kind of just ridiculous scene stealing, chewing performance that you don't get in very many big movies like this at yeah. all. The fact that they had three in this movie was like pretty awesome. Uh, and anytime he was on screen, I was just like, this guy, he he, he would have fit right in with uh, Charlie Day and that other dude in Pacific Rim, uh, for sure, I think. Yeah. Uh, but another thing that really kind of, I thought was a, a no-no was the score of this movie just sounded like Inception Brom, Hans Zimmer rejects <laughs> the whole t- like, dude. The opening shot, like the first city shot, it's just like, Brom. Oh, like really, are we are we going there already? Um, and I, I I swear, like there are certain action uh, beats in the film that sound very very similar to uh, like the Batman scores. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I was disappointed that it wasn't like something completely uh different that didn't sound so familiar because i mean every trailer now has the stupid inception brahm well i mean i i I think i think in in the context of this film the inception the the inception brahm has this feel of a very like epic crazy feel to it and i think that the world of elysium is very epic and has a a feel deserving of that brahm and while it's not necessarily um uh you know unique and it's not like I, I I think it works in the context of the film. I mean, it works. I mean, it's enough to get the action scenes going. It's just unfortunate that it sounds so similar to other stuff. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, like I I mean, there's a lot to admire in it. There's a lot that left me scratching my head and pondering why. I mean, here's a, here's a good gauge of this movie uh listeners is that um i was talking with my boss this morning and just to give a little backstory i mean he doesn't go to the movies very much and he's he's like you're just regular guy moviegoer and i remember one day he told me how much did he love the movie sahara and i was like no dude that movie was terrible uh and he was just like what like I, you're crazy like what and i'm just like yeah but like i wish that you know, I could just sit down and watch a movie like you do because he, you know, is seeing a movie without having seen like the 10 other movies that came before that. And, um, you know, when I, when I was telling him about Elysium, I said, well, 
I was like, yeah, it's the same guy who did District Nine. Have you seen that movie? And he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I just, he's like, I didn't like it. And I was like, <laughs> oh man. I was like, that was one of the best sci-fi movies I thought of, of the past decade. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're crazy. He's like, that's going a little too far. Well, having said that, I think if he went and saw Elysium, and I mean, you know, for, for whatever reason, if he's listening to this, which I don't think he is, but uh, you know, no offense to 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 him, but like I felt like he would go see Elysium and and really really dig it, uh, but you know, not dig District Nine like he did because I I think that this movie is like it's basically mindless a mindless summer movie, but it has a little more weight to it because the the story behind it or the you know the concept behind it is a little more intriguing than say White House Down. Um, and that's what kind of puts it above, you know, just your usual, like, well, you know, it's just another summer popcorn flick. Uh, so I, I mean, that's, that's what Elysium is. I think, I think it's, I think it's that kind of movie. Uh, and there's a bunch of elements in it where you're just like, I wish they had come together into form like a super awesome movie, but you know, I'll take what I can get, I guess, if it's, uh, even if it's this messy, uh, it's still better than, uh, you know, most of the summer blockbusters that have come out. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a mindless film. I think it asks you to be mindful. Like it, it, it establishes the world and then lets you run with that on your own. If you want more out of it, it's, it, it puts everything you it puts all the pieces there for you to to discuss and and think about the world as a whole but but the the direct thing that you are watching and taking it through is a very simple story that yeah. doesn't require you to actually think about the world so, that's what i meant is that it, like it has some backing to it but the the story and all of the you know is mostly just mindless action like it's just it's all about that it's not yeah. it, it feels there's a nothing little, else it feels a little bit like like people gave him um, that notes on District Nine and said, "Yeah, that is an amazing film." Some people thought maybe too political, so he's <laughs> like, "Well, I'm not going to remove the politics, but I might. I'll take it and recess it into the background and yeah, let basically the, just the, oversimplify it." Yeah, I'll let I'll let the narrative concentrate on the act, the action, and and the the literal space um, of of this universe, and I'll leave all the political stuff that I want to be part of this, um, and. Just leave that behind. I'll, I'll leave that in the background, and anybody who wants to discuss it, it's all there for you. It's primed, ready to go. But I'm not gonna put the focal point at any point on that itself. But honestly, like I would have rather have seen it been a bigger point. No, no, I, I, I would too. I'm just saying. Yeah, because I'm just saying. I'm like, just, I'm just trying district... to come up with an explanation for yeah, why no. it has that feel to it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has that feel. I mean, as to why he chose to do it that way. I mean. Who knows? It could have been that, and and I mean I don't know, but but uh, in District Nine, I mean I thought that the the political commentary was just enough where you're not sitting there going like really guy like where they're cramming it down your throat, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's enough to where you can watch the movie, you know, as a commentary on that subject, or just watch it as an action movie, a sci-fi yeah. movie. Yeah. That's really really good. Um. And I, that's what I was expecting from this movie. And honestly, I thought it might tip too far into the political side just 
judging from, you know, the trailers and the fact that, like, people like Matt Damon and Jodie Foster are in it are obviously pretty political. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, well, hopefully it doesn't, you know, hopefully he finds the same balance again, like in District 9, and it doesn't get too political where, like I said, you're sitting there going, like, ah, come on, you know. Uh, but it, it wasn't. It went, like, the opposite direction where there was kind of no political stuff. Yeah, it was it was there in the background, like we've said, and the rest is just like, you know, psh, psh, explosions in space. Oh, you know, let's do this. Well, it, it, it's sort that's of what like I'm talking about. Force the, field. The story is that in order to accomplish his goals, he must engage in political activism, act, activism, um, without necessarily recognizing that, that that's what he's doing, and that's definitely an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, he's he's essentially being uh, he's being used by this organization. Um, I mean, he's he's mutually using them also. But it seems like two different groups of people, each going for their own goal with paths that connect the two, and the success of either side is dependent upon the success of the other. Um, so, if they even acknowledged that in the film, it would have made it a little stronger. Yeah. Oh. Oh well. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's probably all we have to say about this film. So, Carson, let's just get into our recommendations. If you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? <laughs> I literally sat uh, from from the moment this ended till like somewhere around this afternoon. I was just like, I have no idea what how to rate this movie. Like, I, I was like, I guess I'm gonna have to go with what you did a couple couple times a couple episodes ago where it's like well it's somewhere between a wait for rental and a and a recommend yeah <laughs> like something like that i um and honestly i think that the movie itself is probably a wait for rental but i am going to give it a recommend with the caveat being um that it's not a complete failure like i i think it's an interesting failure which is a lot better than a complete failure obviously but uh, there's enough in it to make you entertained and to to make you enjoy it. I mean, and me to enjoy it somewhat ironically, I guess, because I thought things were funny yeah. than they were. But uh, there's enough in it to where you're like, I, I, I see the seeds that were planted. But I, I just, even though I was disappointed, it, it's weird because, you know, like I've said before, there's a lot of times where I've been watching movies that I'm just like, you know, that I, that where I was excited about and I just sat there just trying to like it. Um, and you know, uh, you know, trying to resist the fact that it wasn't clicking. And, uh, I didn't get that feeling in this movie, surprisingly, even though I was, did sit there going like, wow, this is not as good as district nine. Yeah. Um, I was still very much enjoying the ridiculous flavor of the, like I said, the supporting performances and, uh, some of the action scenes like are pretty badass and I, I love the world. I wish there was more time set on Elysium and uh, more time, you know, kind of just getting uh, to know the characters and uh, basically to have them have a little more than just, you know, I'm Matt Damon. I got radiation, you know, ka-chow. <laughs> Let's go kill some robots. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it's a pretty big caveat, but I think you should still see this movie on the big screen because it, it's it's a movie that demands to be seen on the big screen. Like, I I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, I will 
complain about movies that look like crap and have poop CGI and all this. This movie has a ton of that, and it is so seamless and so awesome looking. I, I mean, it, it gives me hope. It gives me faith that like someone can use it in a great, can use like an abundant amount in like a super awesome way. Because there's a moment in this movie where a ship crashes on Elysium that I'm sure was all CG or pretty much all CG and it looks real as shit. Like I was, I was damn surprised. Like I, I I usually don't get very, you know, taken aback by things like that in, uh, especially movies, you know, big blockbuster movies like this nowadays. Cause I'm mostly sitting there going like, well, this, you know, it's Joe blow in front of a green screen. It doesn't, you know, blend very well. So, I mean, that's like a huge plus really, uh, to this movie and uh, so yeah that was my long explanation yeah and, and just so people aren't confused when you use the term poop CGI you are referring to the use of poop, CGI is poop not the quality of the CGI is poopy uh, yeah the use of it is not well executed yeah um, yeah all right so I, I mean yeah like echoing kind of what you said is the, I have to give this film a a recommend just because it is something that should be experienced. It, I mean, this this is clearly a unique vision by Neil Blomkamp, and whether or not it's executed perfectly story-wise or or the elements are explored as much as they could be, th- this filmmaker is somebody that I know, I know personally I want to see more work from, and I want to see this guy to yeah. continue and go. And, you know, if the studio is giving him more and more money every time he makes a film, I, I want these films to be successful because he's doing something that – that is is kind of spectacular uh even if he isn't necessarily like uh presenting the information as as well as he could he's doing something that's awesome and you know the sci-fi world of this film is is really great um the ramifications for the acts that are happening in in this world are pretty incredible and and definitely worth talking about um outside of the context of the film um and it's extremely watchable like like i said most of this film is action like once it starts the events that like what matt damon's going through is pretty spectacular and it's kind of crazy all the stuff and you, you spend a little bit of time with the story slowly ramping up and then from then on there out it's like different uh things being carried out in rapid succession and really just craziness uh ensuing and for yeah. that it's something that it should be watched because um I, I enjoyed the hell out of it, even though there's a lot of things that I that immediately came to be questioned by me uh, during the film and little things. I'm like, well, I don't know why they did this. And there's certain things on the ending that I'm not even going to bother talking about. Uh, I'll, I'll probably have a quick conversation with you off offline, uh, Carson. But uh, yeah, I, I think even with its faults, it's a film that should definitely be watched and, uh, you know, at least on some level enjoyed by people. And hopefully Neil Blomkamp keeps getting more and more money to go on and do other things. Maybe eventually we'll get that that uh, Halo movie that I've been <laughs> I've been wanting for so long. Uh, but yeah, if, if this film does well enough, the studio might let him have creative control over a Halo film. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see though. Yeah, I mean that's all he wants. He wants to blow a bunch of people up. Yeah, and hey, I I, I support it because uh, it looks incredible when uh, he does this. So yeah. You know, yeah. he doesn't want to do Halo as a, a PG-13, uh, some guy gets blown up off screen. Yeah. He, he wants to see those faces get ripped off. <laughs> For sure. 
especially I'd like to see what he does with uh, in, in the Halo universe. There's this weapon called a needler, which shoots these, you know, as as it sounds like needle, which is basically these giant uh, uh, like pink crystals that float through the air, stab into you, and then a few seconds later explode. Um, <laughs> and I could I could see like. I would I would imagine that if he got to sit down and do test footage um, for a possible Halo movie, the first thing he would do would be go straight to the needler and just like <laughs> just destroy uh, a bunch of people. It's um, like first things first, we're putting that in the movie. I, I I'm just saying it, it would be pretty sweet. I'm sure it would. Having not played any of these games, I'm just I know for a fact that it would be probably the best video game movie they would ever make, even if it wasn't. Even if it was subpar, it would still be better than yeah everything else. Cool. Well, uh, I think it's going to do it for this episode of the Spore the Warning podcast. Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can I do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show. You can figure out when the episodes go live by following us on Twitter at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack that Carson didn't appreciate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You could just put in the Inception score and nobody would know the difference. I could. Yeah. Um, but I, I won't. Well, yes. maybe I will. We'll see if this uh, <laughs> if this soundtrack is even available yet. Um, but yeah, uh, as, as we mentioned before, um, next week I am... I basically, I'm taking a week-long vacation to celebrate my 30th birthday. So I'm going to try to release this before I leave. Uh, but next week's episode... Um, you know, I won't be back until probably Sunday night of next week, and then I gotta f- go out and see a movie if there's one that we're gonna review. And then I, don't, I don't, basically we're gonna have some weird schedules. Plus, uh, I will be moving in the following weeks, so the uh, releasing of the spoiler warning may be subject to some uh, delays and/or shifting around of when episodes normally come out. So uh, if your feed goes dead for a little while, have no fear. Uh, we still exist. We're still around, but. We, I personally am undergoing a bunch of weird uh, shifts in my normal schedule, so um, I will try my best to get stuff out in as close to the normal time frame as I can, but I don't know what that what the next couple weeks are going to look like. But once we return to uh, September, or not return to September, in September everything should go, it, sh- it should return to the normal thing, and uh, uh, yeah, we should be good. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, remember to take your damn pills before you go to, to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will do that. Because, I mean, I'm hearing it's triple digits, so uh, there's definitely going to be some radiation there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to horribly refer. Nah, I won't even go there. It doesn't even deserve it. Uh, were you trying to refer to the old people going to Vegas? <laughs> to, to old people going to yeah. Morgan Freeman going like, I'm going to take my damn pills. With my damn water. Well, well, luckily, Carson, I'm only turning 30, so I don't need any pills. Late That's yet. true. That yeah. Might need some uh, some Tylenol or something though. Yeah. We'll find out. But don't don't take any roofies from Black Doug. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna take any roofies from White Doug either. Okay, good. <laughs> 
but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Carson, for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. And we will catch you guys the next time. We'll catch you then, so uh, later. <laughs>